Welcome to Mondays with Matt, with Matt Starkey. Start each week fresh with sound financial advice. Grab your coffee and maybe a pen. It's time to kick off your week with Matt. Hey everybody, welcome into another edition of Mondays with Matt. Thanks for hanging out with us as we talk investing, finance, and retirement. And it's time for some email questions, some listener questions from you around the area. We do these shows from time to time here on the podcast. If you'd like to submit your own question to the show, feel free to stop by the website, GreatLakesRetirementSolutions.com. That's GreatLakesRetirementSolutions.com. You can shoot an email over to Matt, uh, Matt at GreatLakesRetirementSolutions.com. And of course, they're all going to get answered anyway. But if you'd like, we'll put it on the show as well. And a lot of times we change some of the stuff just in case some people don't feel like they're having too much of their information put out there. But we take these email questions because other people might be in a similar boat and it might help someone else out along with yourself along the way. So that's going to be our topic this week here on the show is email questions. What's going on, my friend? How you doing? Good afternoon, Mark. I am doing real well today. Yeah. Um, just uh, taking it all in. It's uh it's springtime and uh, things get exciting around springtime and I'm waiting for kind of waiting for April to pop in here and we can watch some flowers bloom. And, yeah. Well, it's just around uh, the corner. Know, so it's just around the corner. And I like spring because I think everybody kind of feels that way uh, up until 2020. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's a new fresh start and a um, lot, a lot of things are happening. So yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. I mean, we're taping this, this is going to be um, this, this is our late March episode. So spring is just uh well, April is just about a week or so away. Uh, April yep. 1st, if you're into playing pranks on people, that's just around the corner, April Fool's Day, uh, you know, opening day for baseball shortly after that. So we'll be back with more episodes in April as well. But for now, let's take some of these email questions, Matt, and see if we can help some folks out a little bit, give them some things to think about. So yeah, let's uh, do that. Yeah, let's jump in and kick this off. We've got a question that came in from Mary. She says, I'm uh, 62 and I have $1.4 million saved for retirement. I'm wondering how much I can spend yearly without running out. Hmm. This is a good question, Mary. It's one that is a little bit missing a couple of pieces of information, but we can certainly talk about that. Uh, so you're 62 and have about 1.4 million. How much to spend without running out? Well, if you can tell me how long you're going to live, I can tell you. <laughs> <laughs> That's often not the case. So right, right. what we have to do is we have to plan for a long life. At 62, let's, uh, let's assume we're going to live to 30 years. Okay. And if I just took your 1.4 million and divide it out over 30 years, you can roughly spend $46,000, a year. That's with zero interest. Just and completely liquidate your portfolio in 30 years. And that's kind of that almost that 4% rule, right, Matt? So if, <laughs> if she yeah. hit, if she was doing that and you did 4%, you would be looking at about 56,000 off of 1.4. But if you stretch that over 30 years, to your point, that brings that down a little bit. And that might sound fine, but there's some caveats that she didn't tell us. You know, does, does she owe Uncle there Sam are. any of that money, right? Yeah. So some of these other questions that come to mind when um, I get asked questions like that are, mm -hmm. um, is this money tax-free or is it taxable right. or is it a combination? Big, big difference. Um, <laughs> it's a big difference. Yeah. So we often talk, uh, Mary, about the 4% rule where, as Mark just mentioned, we just take 4% of the balance um, without running out of money. If we can average 5 or 6%, um, even if we only average 4, uh, that would give you $56,000 a year to spend. Um, but the, then again, if we have to, if we're taking it out of an IRA and it's all taxable, 
keep in mind that it, if you're single or married, it makes a big difference yeah. on the on the tax tables. That one point four um, might be like just more like one, right? But she might owe four hundred thousand to the government or something. Correct. Yeah. yeah. So if you're making more than like uh, forty thousand dollars as a single person, you're going to be up in that upper the the next tax bracket, which you're going to plan on taking twenty percent or more out for taxes right. to the federal government. And then depending on, I think this is a Michigan question. So the state of Michigan has four and a quarter percent Michigan tax. So if your investments are coming, if that money's coming out of IRAs, you've got a plan for like 25% on top of the investment. So a lot of people forget about taxes when they, when they factor these numbers. So um, give us a call or give us a little bit more detail and we'd be happy to run some numbers with you. It's always important to to uh, make a plan. Yeah, for sure. But um, that's kind of a ballpark of given the information that we have. So we're looking at, you know, forty to $50,000 a year, you could probably safely spend without running out of money, provided that we grow that money by yeah. four or five. Great percent. point. And, and you know, there, Mary, there's things like, I mean, it sounds like overall you're in pretty good shape. Again, you got to really kind of dig into it to get some more exact information, but you're 62. So you can obviously already turn on social security, early social security, as long as you've worked, uh, you know, what is it? 10 quarters within your life, which that sounds like you probably have. So, you know, there's, a, do you have a pension, right? There's other things. So you, you're probably sitting in pretty good shape, but to Matt's point, there's other things they just don't know. So when people kind of ask these questions, well, can I just do the whole 4% rule and be fine? Sometimes yes, sometimes no. So run the numbers, as Matt said, and find out for sure. Great question. Thanks for listening to the podcast. We absolutely appreciate it. Let's see what George has got for you. George says, uh, Matt, I have all my retirement savings in one IRA. So I feel like I'm not diversified enough. Should I put some more of it someplace else? Well, um, that's a good question, George. Um, all of your retirement savings could, in effect, stay in one IRA. It, there's you can own lots of things in IRAs. Uh, lots. You don't have to. You, <laughs> lots you, of things. <laughs> you have a, a plethora of choices to to own in an IRA. So you could you could put all your money into a one fixed investment, which would not be diversified. But um, you could also put about 33,000 holdings is what, what we a lot of times advise on in some of the portfolios we manage, but that's ultra diversification, but you can also own real estate in your IRA. A lot of people don't, don't know that. Um, there's certain things that are outlawed against, uh, right. owning in an IRA, like, um, wild coin collections and different things, but, um, yeah, there's rules, right. But there's, I mean, there's a lot of asset classes you could dip into it. I think people do confuse that, right, Matt? A lot of times they think they have to have, um, three IRAs with three different companies to be diversified. But often, whatever those holdings are, I mean, you think about mutual funds, somebody might have six mutual funds and they find out just because they're in different places, but then they find out they really own the same six companies. Yes. And so this is a great question because it brings up those other those other factors. Um, yes, you can own, um, you can just keep one IRA and you could still make that thing diversified. Secondly is, can I own multiple IRAs? The answer to that is yes. I could own a a fixed contract or a fixed annuity that represents, you know, just real safe and secure stuff. I could also have investments in the market. As we mentioned, we could have real estate, but um, the true way to measure diversification is to give us a call. We have a diagnostic report tool that we use and we can measure the asset categories owned. Uh, I just yesterday had a conversation with a lady, had all of her um, savings in one IRA and come to find out Although she had lots of funds, um, we found a lot of overlap, meaning mm-hmm. a lot of those funds up to sometimes up to seven or eight of them owned all 
you know, they all own the same or similar stocks. So the diversification, what she thought was diversified, really wasn't as much as she had thought because lots of her funds owned a lot of the same companies. So it didn't work like a true diversified portfolio does. It kind of go all up together and all down together. So we, you have to measure the diversification. The best way to do that is, in my opinion, give us a call. We'll do an independent analysis. It's it's a diagnostic report, and we'll measure the diversification in the mix. Okay. So all right. You can have it all in one, or you yep. can have multiple. Yep. Well, it's a great question from the fact that so many people do get confused by that, George. So you're not alone. Uh, so thank you so much for asking that and reaching out to us here on Mondays with Matt. Let's jump to another one here. We've got Billy who says... Matt, my parents left me a house up in the UP uh, that I inherited from them, and I go and visit it you know, sometimes, but not as much as I probably would like to or even can get to. So at what point, I guess I'm wondering is, what's the impracticality of keeping a second home uh, that I may not use that much versus the sentimental factor? So I guess he's stuck on, hey, they left me this. I feel like a sentimental attachment, but it might not be financially practical. So do you see that sometimes, Matt, with like uh, upper homes in the north or fishing cabins or things of that nature? I do. I do. Actually, I just had this conversation last week with a friend. Uh, his parents had, I visited this cabin with him when we were teens, um, but his parents have a place in the UP. Mm-hmm. Um, we were chatting and he would like to get up there more with his family, but he said it's a seven hour drive for us to get up there. So yeah. <laughs> he wishes he wishes that his parents had something like an hour and a half, two hours away that they could actually use. But seven hours is commitment for, for especially when you're taking the whole family. So you definitely don't want an overnight trip. This is an interesting question because there is that sentimental value. And I understand that knowing, you know, that my head, my dad had passed away mm-hmm. um, already. So when parents leave you something, there is that sentimental like value. I, yeah, like I should hang it. on to it forever, right? And, right. and something as large as a house, though, and the upkeep and things, it's understandable to, to wrestle with that because you feel like you don't want to disrespect their memory, but is it practical? Yeah. And then so um, if you have other family members, I guess that's, that could play a, play a role too, True. because you might want to find out if you have brothers or sisters, hey, is if, if I've got this cabin left to me, would anybody else be interested if I wanted to get rid of it? You know, True. Maybe yeah. you could keep the sentimental value by putting it in somebody else's hands for the upkeep or that, that has the ability to get up there more than once every couple of years. Right. Or um, share it or something like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But to answer the question, I guess the, it the impracticality of it could certainly be the thing gets destroyed because of weather and you're not able to get up there if there's um you know pipes that break yeah or i mean you got the roof starts to yeah. leak and you're not there yeah uh animals break in what you know or <laughs> or people break in <laughs> i kind of i kind of just had this image of like you know a raccoon and his bear friend you know you're going casing the joint and then robbing the place right that's right yeah well you know they smell that food up there that's right um, but but nevertheless, there's all kinds of things that can happen. And so that's another good reason if you have one of those properties to carry an umbrella liability policy too. Mm, somebody yeah. could get hurt. I mean, there could be somebody snow, you know, I don't know the situation well enough, but what I would advise you is if you're not up there at least a few times a year, um, you may want to go get some photos taken 
there on the premises and maybe consider getting rid of yeah. that property. Or t- maybe Get something that you your rental your cabin, right? Use. Yeah, maybe yeah. He, maybe he turns it into a rental property, uh, especially if you can have someone else. You know, uh, if if it's worth it, I suppose to have a company manage it for you, right? If you wind up making it a hunting lodge or something because you just don't want to get up there, then you still kind of keep it in in your life, but you're not dealing with it. Maybe you can make enough to offset the cost of key. Because I mean, I'm sure, right? Taxes, maintenance, those things you pointed out. So I get where he's coming from. Yeah, yeah, it, and it could be more of a you know for sentimental reasons we we go you don't want to go in the hole yeah. you don't want to necessarily have this start costing you a lot of money right right yeah um, the hassle's worse but he feels guilt, guilty sentimentally yeah so you know one of the things you could do is you could set up something where you maybe set up a memory box um, photos of your parents and you at the cabin or or whatnot yeah and um, you know. Do a recent photo of you and your family up there and then, you know, maybe sell that and use the proceeds to do some travel in their honor. Or uh, maybe you want to buy something that's close that you can there you use. Go. So, yeah. yeah. That's a good point. I think at the end of the day, when we t- when we get inheritances, we wind up feeling, we, we put on our departed loved ones some thoughts that probably weren't there. They left it to you because they wanted to leave it to you. And it's yours to do with what you want. I don't, you know, I mean, unless you had explicit conversations where they were like, never sell my cabin, you know, uh, it's probably one of those <laughs> yeah. deals, right? It's probably one of those deals where, look, they gave it to you, do what you need to do, what's in your best interest for the life that you have now. So great question. So thanks so much for sending these in. We got some really good ones this week. We're going to do one more, Matt. We're going to wrap it up. Uh, and this one's from Doug. And he says, there's a lot of talk in with my, my friends in the areas about identity theft lately. Uh, this is becoming a bigger issue. It seems like it kind of comes in waves. Anything you can share with folks that are a- heading towards retirement when it comes to identity theft? Oh, yes. Be very careful. What you want to do, um, we recently had, I, I recently had a client who was called the most recent scam that I've heard of is right here. Um, they said they were from Amazon and there oh, was some yeah. things that were purchased in their name. And then they give them some odd address at wherever USA. No, those purchasers weren't mine, blah, blah, blah. Um, identity theft is something that um, if somebody calls you and gives you alarming information, you need to realize that they could be telling you a lie. They could be telling you the truth, but you need to step back for a second, take a deep breath and think. And um, the problem is if they give you enough, feed you enough truth with the, the whole lie, then all of a sudden it feels real. It feels urgent. Um, If they're pressing you urgently over the phone, back away, don't, don't, don't give in, just hang up the phone or tell them to contact you by mail. Because guess what? If there's anything legal, situation yeah and you're in trouble they're gonna send legal documents yeah no I, i've seen that one as well matt that amazon one it's it's not obviously amazon but so many people use it they're like hey this was purchased uh you know if this is not correct give us a call let us know and we'll make sure we get this refunded and then of course they're getting mm-hmm. your credit card information that way to quote unquote refund you the price of the item mm-hmm. you never purchased and all they're doing is taking your credit card number and, and actually running and stuff with it. So, yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah, th- there's good point. been another one, you know, another one that that a client had was they they were called and said, "Oh, your your computer's has expired. Go to this website." You, you know, they said they were from Microsoft or yeah. whatever. 
Oh my gosh, yes, they're right. I, you know, that and is they target seniors something. with these things, thinking, "Hey, I, I don't know that much. That's it sounds legit, right? I need to update this computer or whatever." Y- yes, and then the person went onto the website, downloaded the virus, you know, all that. So, um, if anybody's reaching out and contacting you by phone or by email, do not respond. Just ignore it. And guess what? The problem will go away. <laughs> exactly. And yeah. the problem, if the problem doesn't go away, you'll get something in the mail. Notifying you of the re- of a real problem. Yeah, exactly. But, but the IRS will not call you. They've nope. they've made that very clear. Yep. And unless the person calling you can verify the personal information with you, do not answer any questions. Do yeah. not answer their personal the, questions. The whole sheriff have- is coming out to lock your door if you don't pay this tax thing. Yes. No. Yep. You know they're not going to call and do that. You're going to get written notification and certified mail and things uh, of any of those kinds of situations long before that happens. So. Yep. Uh, so, but I, yeah. you know, I, one of the last ones that I'll give you is I, I had a, a tax return filed in my name um, personally, and the IRS sent me a letter because they know the situation. And normally I don't ask for a tax refund on a gift card, but this person was. <laughs> <Right>. So, <laughs> um, but, but you've got to use wisdom and you'll get something official in the mail if mm-hmm. there's some, some identity theft. Yep. Occasionally our credit card, our local credit union does a really good job. They will call about our debit cards or whatnot if there's suspicious activity. Yep. But you need to know where you bank in advance and don't answer call. Don't answer any questions over the phone without or via them text. being able. Yeah. Yeah, via text for sure. So there's a lot of ways out to try to get you. A lot of people ask about the security of their investments with us, and um, we're if we're hired as your money manager, you've got a, that extra layer of protection because we know our clients, and when our clients call in. Um, if, if somebody tries to tap into their investment accounts, the custodian always directs them to go through their advisor. So you're, you're either going to have to contact us and fill out a form, or if you have the standing instructions, you'll have to talk to myself or my assistant to get the wheels in motion to get money out of your account. Um, and also they'll red flag if they're, if it's done online and you're not triple, triple verified, a mm-hmm. lot of times we'll get a not in good order or we'll get a red flag. Uh, asking us to contact you. Yep. So great that's point. just an extra layer of protection yep. for you. That's a great point. Yeah. And a lot of times, you know, hopefully we're getting, most people are getting savvy to this stuff, but there's still people that fall victim to it. Uh, you'll hear things like change your passwords fairly often. It's, it's very annoying. Everything under the sun There's a million websites. We have to have passwords for everything, but you know, maybe that's a little handwritten book that you keep, you know, at the house or something like that. There's lots of different places on tools and tips and so on and so forth about how to be a little bit more cyber smart. Uh, but definitely if you're out and about and you're at a, you know, at a restaurant or something like that, you know, just being savvy with your devices and things of that nature. So that's our podcast this week. Thanks for the email questions. We appreciate them. Hopefully that helps you out. As always, if you've got questions, reach out to Matt. Uh, don't hesitate to give him a jingle at 989-401-2949 or just stop by the website greatlakesretirementsolutions.com and subscribe to the podcast Mondays with Matt on whatever platform you like to use. Just type in Mondays with Matt in the search box of the podcasting app or just go to the website greatlakesretirementsolutions.com. Matt, thanks for hanging out, buddy. Thanks, Mark, and uh, thank you all for listening. We hope you have a wonderful uh, month coming up here in April. Enjoy this spring-like weather. That's right. We'll be back with more episodes here in a couple of weeks on Mondays with Matt.
information is for illustrative purposes only and does not constitute tax, investment, or legal advice. Always consult with a qualified investment, legal, or tax professional before taking any action.